is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Jeremy, why do you and I have different backgrounds this week? Because uh, we like to, we are, we are men of the world. We are world travelers. We like to go to places like Nashville and Indianapolis. It's very true. Um, and sit in conference rooms. Yeah, because uh, conference rooms are very special. They don't look like the same place no matter where you are. Um, so, yes. Exactly. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Chris. I am in Nashville. And I'm, I'm actually in the Discipleship Ministries building, the, the group that I work for in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and Jeremy is uh, currently up with uh, the Lilly Foundation in Indianapolis, yeah. Indiana. And uh, we're here today to hang out and do our regular Monday Youth Worker Recharge. And we sort of have a, an interesting topic. We're going to see how this thing goes today. Um, how to fire a volunteer is the topic how to fire. that we huddled ourselves on, right? Um, right. And, and we say that kind of tongue-in-cheek and we chuckle a little bit. Um and it's hard, right? Because sometimes you put so much work into recruiting a volunteer yeah. um, and it's hard enough to get volunteers anyway, sometimes um, that even when you've got somebody that seems like they're crossing a line or mm-hmm. not doing things uh, quite in a way that fits the direction that you're trying to set as the youth leader, um, sometimes you want to hang on to them a little bit because uh, you don't want to have to do that recruitment work to replace them. Um, yep. And also there's a personal side to it, right? Like if you're going to let somebody go or have to have difficult conversations with them, you know that you have to be comfortable approaching it in a way that um, may not feel personal to you, but might feel personal to them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. And this is, it's one of these things that I have seen people who are, um, sort of dramatically on one end or the other, right? They just, they really never have conflict with people. They never let people go who need to be let go. I've also seen people who just like blow everything up into a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually, in the church world, I've seen more of the other, right? More of people who just let things go and don't address the conflict. Um, I can say, before we get into the like actual how-to part, the the why part is really important. Yes. Um, if you have a if you have a volunteer that is that is is operating in a level that they need to be moved or fired, um, and you don't, that is toxic to your organization. And you may not it may not be sort of like immediately apparent as to like the negative consequences of your inaction, but long term, what what will happen is all of the other, you know, functional, relatively healthy volunteers will just leave, stop coming, stop showing up, stop responding Mm -hmm. to text messages, and uh, they will eventually sort of leave. And uh, it's like unhealth can also attract unhealth, right? Like a, a person who's like not just not where they need to be to work with teenagers will 
not only drive away the people who are sort of in a more healthy approach to, to this, they will attract people that are, that are more like them. And you can, you can like have this migration from, you know, like a solid great group of volunteers to now we actually have a whole group of volunteers that need to be moved on. Um, and I think, I think so for me, I don't know how you approach this, uh, Chris, but I, I think the first thing that I try to do is ask sort of two questions. And that is like, how much of an emergency is whatever happened, right? Mm-hmm. Like I found out this piece of information. Are the like students, you know, emotional, physical, you know, lives in danger um, uh, from that person? Like, we can act quickly, but is this something that will keep for a little bit? Like, do I have time to engage lots of people, spread the process out for a minute, slow it down? Um, that's an important question to ask because if you have, if you do the the opposite of what is required, it's bad, right? Um, and, and the other one is, does whatever this, whatever is happening with this person is it something that means that they are in the wrong place within our organization? Like they're doing the wrong work within our organization, or does it mean that they don't need to work with our organization? Right. So sometimes you have a person that's just like kind of weird around students, right? They're not like inappropriate, but they just, make students feel awkward and like they're just not that's not they don't need to be a small group leader but you put them as a small group leader and like that's a thing um but sometimes what it means is like there's a problem with that person but it's not it doesn't mean that they can't work with youth anymore but maybe they need to be the i don't know the the slide person the tech person maybe they need to be like some other role but you know so assessing like the emergenciness of it and then assessing like is this a problem that means they've got to like leave altogether or is this just sort of like a role shift that we can that we need to do within the organization i think that's sort of where i begin with that I love that as a starting place. And I think I would just maybe add one other perspective or an additional, you know, set of questions that always comes up for me. Um, And and that kind of has to do with like the, how did we get here kind of a thing, right? Um, And maybe that's a little bit more self-reflective for me as a leader. Right. Um, Right. did, Did I not give this person what they needed in terms of training? Uh, did I not give this person what they needed in terms of like direction, right? Like this is what we're trying to accomplish for you in this role. Right. Or th- this is my needs, right? So I do a little bit of that internal looking um, while I'm asking those sort of externally facing questions as well, right? About like, is this an emergency or do I have time? Um, and is this, you know, a matter of fit? Uh, within like different roles that we can create, or, you know, is it truly like, this is just not going to be a fit at all. Um, and, you know, if, if I get to that place, right. And, and looking at myself to say, okay, I've, I've offered the training that we have. I think that we did a pretty good job preparing this person for this role. Um, it's not a fit, right. Because there's uh, personality clashes or there's something like that that's happening, or there's just, you know, some, some boundaries for, 
how this person leads or teaches that aren't clicking or aren't, you know, kind of matching the culture or the needs that the students have, you know, then, then it's a, it's, it's one conversation, right. And, and we sort of start to push things one way. Um, and so I do that self-reflective work. I ask those same questions that you ask, and then it comes to be time to schedule. Okay. We need to have this conversation. Um, I think yeah. I've mentioned in a previous podcast, uh, it's been a learning thing for me to not avoid conflict um, because to, to not address things that need to be addressed just lets them fester and get worse. Um, so while it might feel uncomfortable to address stuff, it is a really important thing to do and it allows things to be healthier in the long run. So for myself, I do a little bit of that prep work as well. Like, you know, if, if that's holding a little palm cross that I've got on the on the office desk or praying or doing some reflective stuff to to sort of mentally and emotionally prepare myself for those conversations. That's where I start. Um, and then two, two quick things before I pass the ball back to you. Um, I definitely inform the people that are around me that, Hey, I'm going to be having this conversation with this volunteer and here's why. Um, so if you hear from them or you hear from me afterwards, just like in need of support, right. If it's my supervisor or my pastor or whatever, um, know that I'm having this conversation. Um, and then, um, I just try to be upfront in scheduling it and not making it feel like as if somebody's being called into the principal's office or the boss's office or something like that. I I try really hard to have these conversations in person if it's possible um, yep. in a shared public space, you know, something that easy place to hang out. It's not on your territory. It's not on their territory. It's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And, and I would say that, um, so I would kind of go back to your like informing these other people. I think that the more dramatic, the bigger this uh, thing is, the more collaboration you should have with, with other people. Absolutely. Right. In that decision. And, you know, to be completely honest, um, if your senior pastor is your supervisor, they might, you might not actually want them to have input. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, it's, and and if you are like, you know what, I don't want them to have input because if I ask them what they think I should do, I'm almost 100 percent sure they're going to tell me to keep this toxic per person. Sure. If that is the case, then what you do is you get your youth council, your leaders uh, that are not teens. It, it can be really un- inappropriate to have these come to include uh, teen leadership in some of these conversations. So you need to be careful yeah. about that. Um, but grab some of those youth council leaders and say, Hey, I, we, we need to, I need some help making a decision. I need this to be confidential uh, between us. Uh, but I, I want to collaborate on this decision and talk to them and then go to the senior pastor and say, Hey, look, we're having this problem. I talked to our youth council leaders and this is sort of our strategy to address the issue moving forward. Um, of course, uh, I've never met a senior pastor that didn't think that they could overrule you. They and you can be confident that if they think that needs to happen, that will just happen in that conversation. Um, but you can sort of set up that conversation to not be a collaborative conversation if you think that they might just not have the information, the the sort of insight that they need to make to help you make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, you might need other uh, p- partners in that conversation. And then the other thing is. Uh, if there are things that sort of 
are or border border on sort of legal questions. Yep. Right. If somebody has like approached the cross the boundary of legality or approach that uh, and and you're sort of like trying to hold back the reins from it, it going too far. Um, I would say I 100% agree with you about like not wanting it to feel like the principal's office, but when you get to that level, mm-hmm. it actually kind of needs to feel like the principal's office. You need to have another party present. Yep. Um, uh, to talk through this with them so that there's a third party involved that can verify what happened. And then you need to take notes and, and we, we've talked about that before, email those to yourself. That timestamp can be, uh, can be uh, uh, it's called like uh, concurrent notes, I think is what it's called, uh, but it's, it's a thing. But, but let's just be clear, most of these conversations aren't that, right? right. right. And, um, and, and as much as uh, youth pastors see themselves as uh, ministers to teenagers, you are also pastors. You are in ministry with the teenagers and with those volunteers. Yep. And so um, coming into that meeting, not feeling, not approaching that as a, a supervisor meeting, if at all possible, but as a pastoral meeting. Sure. Um, can be helpful. And then just know, I think out of all of the volunteers I've fired, and <laughs> I don't want to say it's a lot, but I've been doing ministry for a while. <laughs> um, I don't, I think that probably only a third of them liked me afterwards. Sure. It's, it's hard to hear um, that you're doing something wrong um, that you're doing something potentially inappropriate or whatever it is. Um, and you just, you need to go into that meeting with that pastoral presence and also recognize that that might be the end of that sort of congenial relationship. Sure. And, and when you're to that place too, I think that, you know, points it back to who else on the church staff team or, you know, who else is in your corner that you've talked with about this so that you feel supported afterwards as well. Um, because right. if it if it's not a friendly relationship and it, it goes sideways, you do need somebody else who can help to break up whatever the triangle is between you and the person mm-hmm. and these hurt feelings because of the conversation that you had to have. A couple yeah. quick thoughts maybe here on the end. I, I'm really glad that you brought up the, the legal piece because yes, if it is something that is an emergency and borders on that legal stuff, all of your suggestions, absolutely take them, have that transparency, have that accountability and move quickly on those things that deserve the quickest responses. Um, I'd like to come back to that, you know, the, the thing about it, if it's a question of fit, right? Like everybody is gifted mm-hmm. in different right. ways. And so, you know, as you process the non-emergency sorts of things, figuring out, you know, how, how might I help this person discover a place that they fit better? Um, can be actually a really yeah. healthy way to approach the conversation. Um, and if you mm-hmm. spend some time thinking about other opportunities that you think would work for them, uh, or you talk with other leaders in the church that also have volunteer needs to say, you know what, I could use somebody that is amazing at blank, 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 and give right. them a direction to put some of the energy that they might be feeling after the meeting can be a good way to do it as well. Um, and then the last thought I want to make sure I share, and, and I'd love to hear any last thoughts that you've got as well, but um you know, firing a volunteer, in my opinion, really should not be about, 
I'm firing this person because I do not like them. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yes. You, you are making a decision to not ask a volunteer to continue because it's not for the benefit of your ministry and it's not for the benefit of the students that you're in charge of caring for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to have volunteers that do not think like you. In fact, it's really healthy. Yeah. Um, it's Absolutely. really healthy to have volunteers that do not believe like you and are gifted in different ways than you because they will connect with different students than you do. And so when we're having this conversation, we're not encouraging you to just like, you know, purge your volunteer team of anybody that does not believe like I believe. That's just one works. day a year. It's just a purge. It's just the one time. <laughs> that's right. Um, there, there's some real health in diversity of giftedness and diversity Absolutely. of ages and genders and belief systems and all those kinds of things. And you as the leader can help put people in places where they feel like they are making a difference for youth. And the youth feel like they are getting value and being supported by that volunteer who's serving. So you are looking for opportunities to create win-win situations for your volunteers. And when you've got somebody that's not in a win-win where it's not good for them, it's not good for the youth, or it's not good for the church, right? You need to figure out a way to change that situation with that volunteer so that it becomes win-win-win. Okay, that's all I got. Back to you. Last piece for me is it, it sort of relates to what you were talking about. And, and I kind of would add maybe just a little bit bigger, right? Which is, um, I think you need to come into that conversation with a plan of how you are proceeding forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and the plan should include how you are supporting them, right? Sure. So if, if it is like, they just freaking weird around teenagers like you can you don't have to say it like that um and if you've got the guy that like they 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 need a camera operator during sunday school or what i don't know what it is right they um or uh yeah whatever it is coming in and saying like hey uh, there's this great up it you want to be authentic right you don't want to lie to them but saying hey there's this great opportunity i want to let you go to do that because um, I know that it's you've been it's felt like you've felt uncomfortable mm-hmm. around the teenagers. Not everybody's comfortable. I really appreciate you volunteering, but there is this other group that really needs you, mm-hmm. and I want to let you do that. Um, but if it's something that's a little bit more like there's a maturity issue, right? I've had some right. some young adults who come and are part of it, and they just really aren't quite ready to be in that leadership position. Um, sometimes what what we offer them is like, hey, I'd like for the next month, I'd like to meet with you once a week and let's have some mentoring time. Sure. Like you need to, there's some areas that we just, I just want to help you. You need to grow in a little bit before you're in this position. And um, and if you feel like this, they're not going to be receptive of that to, from you, offering that from going ahead and setting it up. There's this other staff person that they like, or this other adult that you you respect that they like, and getting that adult to agree to whatever and say, hey, look, we, we need to take a pause for a minute here, but but it's not forever. I just think you need to develop in these areas. And so I, I've got Pastor So-and-so is gonna is is totally willing to have coffee with you once a month or whatever for a couple months. And yeah, and as long as we feel like things are progressing, we'll bring you back on as the you know, the game person. Uh, after we sent somebody to the hospital with a broken arm um, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And and also please stop coming in costume 
for the lesson <laughs> you're giving. <laughs> Without naming names, that is a conversation I had to have, right? Like, you do not need to show up dressed like a first century Phoenician when we're going through the books of Paul. It, it, it's okay to it's not, not come in that toga. It's not essential. Where, you know. Um, there are places where it's appropriate to wear tights and where it's not. <laughs> well, Jeremy, thanks for the conversation Sorry. today. For the rest of you youth leaders out there, we do hope that this recharges you a little bit. Yes, um, absolutely. Sometimes in ministry are made for laughter, sometimes uh, are made for tears. And we're here for all of those things and everything else in between. Uh, really looking forward to the conversation that we get to have next week as well. Um, Jeremy, have a great week between now and then. And all those youth leaders out there know that you're in our prayers constantly. See ya. All right. See ya.